Dollar.com, the house was supposed to be rented out for around $1,500 as market rent. $1,400, $1,500. But I was actually able to get $3,100 because I rent out per bedroom and I create extra bedrooms where I can to, and I rent out to college students in the lo local college towns because for the college students, it's a lot cheaper to rent a bedroom versus rent on campus dormitories because on campus dormitories, they charge like a thousand to uh, $1,200 a month versus my place, I only charge 600. A great book can totally challenge your conventional thinking and change your life for good. However, some of us just don't have the luxury of time of sitting down to read a book, but there are some instances in which we do have dead time and these are perfect times to learn so we can learn while driving instead of jamming to the same music on the radio or maybe at the gym well now you can dwelling has partnered with amazon's audible to give you the dwell listeners a free book yes a free book so all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash dwelling and download your free book this will also be in the show notes. You can click on the link. And if you don't have a book in mind and you say, Ola, I don't actually know where to start with. Well, awesome, because I can tell you what to start with today. It's a quintessential classic. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So download Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that would basically just take your mind on a different spin. Of course, I'm always open to hear um, from our Dwell listeners. So email me at ola at dwelling.com. And then feel free to also give us a, a rating and review. This really helps us to rank better in iTunes. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on The Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got the amazing Ryan Chow with us today. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? How are you doing? How's it going? It's good, Ola. I'm uh, excited to be on the show. Awesome, 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 awesome. So Ryan, I mean, we've obviously talked a little bit. You're obviously a, a listener of the show as well. So it's always nice to bring people on the show. I honestly do think sometimes, is anybody listening? Um, so it's always nice to, to, to kind of hear that you're an avid listener yourself. So I'm sure you can do a way better job than I can. Can you kind of just tell our listeners a little bit more about who you are, what you've been doing, and kind of what you're up to lately? Yeah, so I was first inspired to get into real estate from my grandpa, actually. He bought three properties in the Bay Area, and the San Francisco Bay Area, and we saw a lot of appreciation in those properties, and of course, rents went up. So the rent he was making from those properties was able to pay for all of his expenses until uh, his ripe old age of, uh, he lived until 93 and a half. So I realized that this is one of the best ways to create generational wealth. Um, not only was he able to help pay for his expenses, but he also helped me and my brother. He paid part of our uh, tuition in college. So I was like, wow, you know, this is truly the way to wealth building. So, you know, in 2015, I graduated as a pharmacist uh, with a doctorate of pharmacy degree. I started working and I wanted to get into real estate as soon as possible. So I worked a lot over time. I was able to save up for a down payment on the first house in 2016. And so I purchased that, a single family property, um, three bed, two bath, and it was in Stockton, California. And that's just where the numbers made sense. I actually live in Sacramento and I was able to, you know, drive an hour or so and find a property much cheaper where the numbers make sense because California in general is very expensive. After that, I bought one property per year 
And now uh, four years later, I have four single family homes and it's making me $10,755 per month in rental income. So I'm just writing a bunch down. That's really fascinating. You said a lot of interesting things, right? And you know, when I speak to folks and kind of the, the, the society um, thinks of wealth as, you know, what we see on Instagram, right? A guy, you know, driving in a fancy Ferrari with a blonde chick, blue eyes, and his money's <laughs> yeah. up his ears. And, you know, that's what people think wealth looks like. They don't think Bill Gates. They don't think Zuck. They don't think all these folks. They don't even think Jeff Bezos, even though we use Amazon every single day. They think of this gold chain wearing, <laughs> you know, loud <laughs> guy. Or maybe I'm as wrong. Image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As the image of wealth. But I don't think about your grandpa, right, that lived, you know, to, to 93, yeah, yeah. paid for you and your brother's college. You know, I don't know what happened to that property. Maybe even passed it on, right? That is yeah. legacy. That is wealth transfer, right? And that could be like one or two properties, right? So I just love the fact that you brought that up. And I kind of want to just dig into that a little bit more, right? So yeah, exactly. You, it's like building a legacy. Yeah, yeah. But you, but you, you know, you got this doctorate in, you know, as, as a pharmacist, right? So you relatively high paying job. Why bother to even go do this real estate stuff, right? Yeah, so that's a great question. You know, I love working in pharmacy and that's, you know, that's why I got into it is to, because I was always like providing a service for others and that's what I always wanted to do, you know, as part of, you know, a fulfilling life basically to give back to the community and all that. But I also saw a lot of these older pharmacists, you know, they're like 50, like late 50s, uh, 60s and they're like, you know, burnt out. They're ready to retire, but they can't because, you know, they, they kind of have an inflated lifestyle a little bit maybe, or, you know, they, they just can't because of, they need the healthcare benefits and everything. So they get trapped basically. And their attitude toward working is, you know, not as great. I just didn't feel like I would be that type of person who would work until I'm 65 and be super happy working the same job until 65. Right. So um, that's why I got into real estate. It was really that draw of financial freedom, the ability to do what you want, where you want, when you want, with whomever you want to do it with, right? And basically live life on your own terms. And oh, so man. that's what got me into real estate. Yeah, that is so, I love it. I love everything you're saying. It's so exciting. And, you know, one of the big, yeah, one of the big things you said is you kind of, um, projected into the future right? like hey okay i'm this young pharmacist um you know i can basically buy a nice car buy a big house and kind of going to do all this mm -hmm. stuff but 30 years later i'm going to be like this guy right next to me who is now 50 or whatever and he's not loving this so i don't want to be this guy so you're actually paying attention <laughs> right i mean this is like yeah. almost basic stuff right but if we don't talk about it at a prescriptive level no pun intended like you know people just maybe are not thinking about this stuff but you clearly were doing that your grandpa obviously your grandpa helped you do that so i think that's yeah. really yeah that's really fascinating i'm so excited for your story actually so the other thing people say is there are no deals in california you know like california doesn't make sense people are like investing out of state but you were able to yeah. find this little niche can you kind of talk us through that and how you're finding this yeah deal? exactly yeah, so um, I have a little bit of a niche and that's how I'm able to actually make a lot of profit on these uh, rentals. 
the San Francisco Bay Area, to just give you an example, um, this area, uh, the median home price is 900000 So it's like, it's out of reach, right? It's really out of reach. And so that's why I looked around my area and an hour away is Stockton, California, and the houses are like 300000 So the prices make a lot more sense. I can get cash flow versus if I bought like a $900,000 house, I'd be stuck with that house. Um, paying it off for many, many years. But Stockton, I'm able to basically reinvest the cash flow every time and purchase one a year. What I did was I rented out per bedroom. So I can, I basically, I doubled my profit on the house. So like my latest house, the fourth house that I bought, um, if you go to rentometer.com, the house was supposed to be rented out for around 1500 as market rent. 1400 1500 but I was actually able to get 3100 because I rent out per bedroom and I create extra bedrooms where I can to and I rent out to college students in the lo local college towns because for the college students it's a lot cheaper to rent a bedroom versus rent on campus dormitories because on campus dormitories they charge like a thousand to uh, twelve hundred dollars a month versus my place I only charge six hundred dollars a month so, or six, yeah, anywhere from 600 to $700 a month. And so it's a lot more cheaper. It's cheaper for them. They have a lot more privacy. They're just as close to campus because I buy houses that are less than five minute walk away. And it just makes a lot of sense for them. And so I, there's this huge market for uh, living off campus in, in bedrooms, uh, renting out by the bedroom. And so that's why, you know, I... I, I uh, you know, took that as an opportunity and I just repeated that model, right? So you found something that worked and you just, you're trying to turn next to that. I, I really love that. And, you know, not only yeah. do you cover like a niche, right? Like you're kind of doing like an hybrid of, it's not like, an, it's not like a house hacking situation, but you're basically multifamily, lies a single family. I don't know if that's the word. Exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Turning yeah. a, a single family into like a multi-unit. Yeah, right? I love that. I love that. And then yeah. not only are you doing that, like kind of stacking that strategy, you're like, wait, I'm not going to go for the professional guy because the professional guy might not really appreciate living with other people. But the college student, they want to live together. They love the sense of community, right? It's kind of like a cool living yeah. situation. And now you're like doubling your cash flow. Exactly. Now you're busting through this myth of there are no deals in California, right? So that's really fascinating. And congrats on that. If you don't mind, just kind Thank of you. talk us through. Um, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Like, kind of just talk us through like what you're looking to do, kind of like in the next few years. Now, now that you have this strategy down to a T, are you looking to go development, multifamily, stay within this niche? What are your thoughts? You know, my thought was always once you find something that works, just repeat it. And then after, you know, you built up a large portfolio or you built up that wealth, then that's when you can start diversifying. But for right now, I would say I'm actually tempted to just pay them off. And I can actually do this in about four years because of the cash flow I'm making there and then the, my W-2 income as well. And because I've been doing this for a long time and been able to, you know, build up that wealth. Uh, so I would actually be able to retire at 31 years old if I were, uh, if I wanted to do this, if I wanted to just pay them off. So, you know, 
imagine just retiring at 31 and having $10,755 per month just coming in. And so, you know, for me, it was always like kind of a pipe dream. But then the numbers, when I look at the numbers, it's actually a reality now. Um, and that's kind of one thing I wanted to mention, like for a lot of people, real estate, a lot of newbie real estate investors, it's pretty intimidating getting into real estate. But um, as long as you have like the system or a strategy and maybe have someone help show that strategy to you, it's a lot. It's not complicated. It's actually very simple. It's not going to be easy, but it's not going to be complicated. Right. Because it's very simple what I did. Right. You're giving away all the secrets, right? You're giving away that. You're giving away all your secrets, right? Thank you so much for sharing that. So I wasn't expecting that. So um, there's that debate of, you know, I think Grant Cardone is kind of on the other, on the other end of the spectrum. Yes, definitely. Like don't, yeah, don't buy a single family house. Don't own, you know, nothing, just rent. Um, but you're basically saying, I'm going to use all my, well, most of my income and all of the cash flow. I'm not going to, I'm just going to kind of pour it back in the assets so I can pay it off. And at 31, I actually own my life, which it's just impressive. So kudos to you. On yeah, doing exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what me, are you... like, yeah. Sorry. No, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, sorry. So I was just going to make a point for Grant Cardone. Um, for me, it didn't make sense to try to get into apartments and multifamily and go into syndication because I didn't even do my first property. So how am I going to make profit work on a multifamily and these apartments when I can't, you know, when I haven't done it before with a single family house? So, I mean, even Grant Cardone says in his book, he started with a single family home. That's where he made his mistakes. Imagine making mistakes on an apartment, right, where you're highly leveraged versus making mistakes on just a single family home, obviously, you, you, you know, you could lose a lot more money just going straight into multifamily or apartment uh, buildings. So that's why for me, it was a lot more reachable, attainable, just by, you know, doubling my profit on these single family homes, I was able to scale that. Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess I want to get your opinion on, you know, I always ask a lot of guests this as well. You've got a great job, you know, a decent job, you know, on, but I can stand, you know, it's a pretty mm -hmm. good job. And people say, well, you know, why don't you just, you know, bond the boats and go hard, right? What are your thoughts on that? Now that you've got your good job and you, you get into a decent cash flow, I mean, you potentially could quit your job if you wanted to. Um, but why are you not doing that? Yeah, so it's all about uh, risk assessment. I never recommend burn the bridges and just go straight into something, especially if you have never done real estate before, because it makes a lot more sense um, to be making an income from your job to be able to get pretty good funding because a lot of the lenders out there, they look for a consistent income coming in and you're going to get a lot better terms if you do this on the side. So um, to give you background, I worked a full-time job as a pharmacist for the last four years, um, you know, 40 hours. Sometimes I worked overtime and I was able to do this on the side because, you know, I kind of had this system that I created. Um, and yeah, it just made sense for me not to just jump off the boat and just 
go full, you know, full time into it. It really depends also on what kind of investor you are. There are people who are active investors who on the side to make income, they flip houses or do wholesaling, right? And then they use that cash to um, do buy and investing. But for me, I'm a passive investor. I don't want to, you know, spend this uh, time on this as a full-time job. I want to, you know, have my normal job or the normal nine to five and then do this on the side and when this builds up and you know enough income is coming from this then that's when i'm cool with you know quitting the w2 job if i wanted to right and i'm so yeah i wish i can get into your brain or i wish i can fast forward to you know five years to see what you're actually <laughs> going to do are you actually going to retire and at 31 or are you just going to keep going um it's going to be fascinating to see what you're going to be doing at that time it's going to be interesting to see um yeah we'll see i have the choice right i could I have that, uh, you know, that opportunity or that choice um, because I, I freed it up for myself. And yeah, I mean, I probably will at least work reduced hours around then. Um, and then, you know, we'll see where I go from there because I now have a six-figure income coming in passively. And so maybe I will start going into apartments and all of that, right? Nice. So if somebody is listening to this and they're like, oh my God, like I'm somehow similar to Ryan, maybe I'm in the, you know, Silicon um, Valley area, the Bay Area, uh, Sacramento, close to where you are. And I've got a really pretty good job. I'm not a pharmacist, but I'm damn close to earning a similar amount. And I'm young. I'm in my mm-hmm. 20s. I want to do the same thing. What would you say to mm-hmm. that person? Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of people, like I said, they're intimidated by buying their first property and taking that first step, right? Um, I would say first actually find someone who's done it before and get in touch with them and find a mentor. Then they can walk you through basically five steps and I'm just going to go through my five step strategy. Um, So step one is uh, making sure the profit makes sense. So that means you have to calculate, do your deal analysis and run the numbers and figure out if you're making cash flow on the property, right? So you have to add up like what's your principal, interest, property tax insurance, management costs, maintenance costs, um, and then like if there's vacancies. And so you have to run those numbers first. And of course, you know, there's people out there who can help you do that. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, if you contact me, I could definitely help you through that. Um, and then it comes negotiating the deal. So you have to kind of understand what's motivating the seller, right? Because if you can help them, um, achieve their goals, then they'll also help you, you know, maybe lower the price on the house or, um, they'll kind of give you concessions for things that you would like to get done, like repairs that need to be made. The next part is doing renovation and then, Uh, Like renovation for me is creating extra bedrooms where I can to create because every extra bedroom is like an extra $600 in rental income, right? So that to me, it makes a lot of sense to do this, create one extra bedroom or turn a living room into a bedroom so that I get an extra $600 per month coming in. And then um, preventative maintenance is also important. And this is what where you like um, do some steps or take some steps to basically reduce the expenses, the future expenses on the property. So one example would be uh, taking out grass and putting in bark, right? Because now the water bill is a lot lower because you don't have to water the grass. Uh, Also trimming uh, tree branches because uh, squirrels and rats can climb the branches and get into your house and cause pest control issues. Also the leaves could get onto your roof 
right? And then clog the gutters and then water builds up and could cause water damage, like mold and fungus and all that, right? So doing those preventative maintenance tests will really save you a lot of money down the line. Like for example, actually for me, I had a sewage break line break down on me because I didn't do a sewage line inspection during escrow phase, which is only a couple hundred dollars uh, to do. To stick, what you do is you stick a camera down the sewage line and see if there's any breaks in it. But I didn't do that. So like a year later, I get this call from a tenant saying, "Dude, uh, there's there's all this uh, sewage coming out on out of the sink and onto the kitchen floor, and it smells like really bad." So I was like all over the kitchen floor. It leaked into the basement as well. So I was like calling these, uh, you know, plumbers. And it was like 11 p.m. at night, right? So it was an emergency. And so I finally found someone to clean it up, sanitize it, and then figure out what's going on with the sewage. And it cost me $9,000 to do everything. Replace the pipe with PVC piping and uh, sanitizing, putting in a sump pump. It was just a lot of work that was unnecessary if I did, you know, the proper due diligence, right? during escrow phase. Um, the fourth step is having a system for marketing and consistently finding high quality tenants, right? Because a tenant could make or break the property. If they're not paying rent and you have to evict them, well, there goes several months worth of, you know, profit, right? Or, or rental income basically, right? So that's very important. And then the last step is of course, having a system for maintaining the property and managing the, the tenants and then automating the whole process so that you can, you know, do this while you're working your nine to five job. So that's the five steps, you know, it's, it's very, I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it's actually pretty simple. You know, there's only five steps. Wow. Thank you so much, Ryan. You, uh, I mean, that's right. That's a course right there. You've just given away all this good stuff. Thank you so much. I think there's anyone listening um, close to Ryan there or anywhere in the country and want to do the same thing in your market. Um, thanks Ryan for kind of sharing that you, you'd help folks with that. So feel free to reach out to Ryan. Uh, I wish I could keep talking to you, but we definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, sir? Yes, let's do All it. All right. First question. What makes you Ryan unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or the next girl? Good question. Yeah, I would say it's definitely the niche, the student housing market, how I'm able to actually uh, market, find those high quality tenants and put maybe a, you know, a couple, like maybe five or six students in one house. Cool. What was the last book that you read? And what was the one thing that you picked up from that book? Ooh, I would say Miracle Morning about Hal Elrod. Um, it kind of goes over like steps you take in the morning to maximize your productivity throughout the day. And I would highly recommend it for any of the listeners today. Yeah, great book. Um, last question. You've got your properties, you're growing, you've got, you know, tenant issues. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, nobody talks about all the bad stuff. Um, so, you know, <laughs> you've got your nine to five, which is a big job, you know, as a pharmacist, especially right now with everything going on in the world. Um, what do you do for fun? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, yeah, so I actually, I'm a violinist. So I, I play violin and, you know, I try to, you know, bring out new pieces. I actually like playing movie themes, so I do that for fun. Um, I actually also do some martial arts on the side, which is really cool. 
Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of do those things for fun. Awesome. Ryan, you're a legend. Um, thank you so much. If there's anybody listening and thinking, man, I want to get connected with Ryan, know him a little bit more, what's the best place for me to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, so for the listeners who want to reach out to me, and I actually, um, if you sign up for my email list, you'll get this really great PDF that goes through my unique strategy for uh, student housing. And you can contact me at www.newbierealestateinvesting.com. That's www.newbierealestateinvesting.com. And newbie is spelled N-E-W-B-I-E. Awesome. Ryan, thank you, thank you, thank you. Really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thank you all. Uh, Thank you, guys. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders who share their best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.